Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. I like celebrating those things. You want to celebrate one more thing? Uh, We are growing as a church, and over the last few months, we actually added people to Team Vineyard. If you didn't know, uh, we have a membership here. It's called Team Vineyard, and so here's a picture of, I'm not going to name everybody, but a good uh, group of new Team Vineyard members, so welcome to those members. Somebody on this side of the auditorium said, hey, that's me. Nice. I want to use that uh, as a jumping off point because we like celebrating is uh, with this question. How do you share exciting news? Think about that for a second. How many of you love celebrating? Like it's just part of your makeup. How many of you not so much? Anybody? Oh yeah, a few of you. Usually those people are like this. Real slow with the hand, right? It's, it's sort of two different. Uh, as I think about this question, how do you share exciting news, it brings me back uh, earlier uh, this year, a couple months ago, two of our staff members here at the Vineyard are expecting a baby. Uh, one is, yeah, that's exciting news, right? One's Leah Kurtz, she's on worship. The other is Elena Clark, she's back in the kids' area. And I got to witness how they share exciting news of expecting a child. It's way different than 20 years ago when my wife and I had three boys, right? So as I uh, witness what's going on, right, it's, it's the initial, hey, we're expecting, and that's exciting. And then the next sort of phase is the gender reveal. 20 years ago, I don't know, we must not have been all excited about the whole gender reveal thing, but now, whoa, you can get crazy with these things. Now, the folks on staff didn't, but I looked online at some of the gender reveal options. Here's one option. There's fireworks. Like, that's something. I actually looked at uh, some of the things that you could purchase for a gender reveal, and you can buy powder cannons, smoking clouds of art, confetti, and various other things to celebrate the gender of your baby. Thousands of dollars wrapped up in, which is like, that's how they want to share exciting news. So how do you share exciting news? Do you light off fireworks? So I was thinking of of this for myself. The last big thing in my life uh, that I celebrated was my wife had some great health news, and so uh, very quickly after that, I wanted to share, and so I was just texting and calling friends and just sharing the news. Like, I believe that there's something, even if we're not great celebrators, there's something deep inside us that when we have good news, it makes us want to share in some way. It it just compels us, and at the core, I think sharing builds trust, it creates joy, it reinforces friendships and togetherness. It's just something that I think God's placed in us. If I take a spiritual shift, sharing good news is something we find throughout the Bible. It's actually an instruction that Jesus gave his disciples and his followers At the end of the book of Matthew, he's got his disciples and a group of people around. He's sort of giving these final instructions before he goes to heaven, just, hey, you have to listen to this, and he shares this in Matthew 28. 
He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Like they got to witness the greatest thing ever, Jesus doing miracles for three years. He dies on a cross. He comes back for 40 days, and before he goes again, he says, hey, this is great, but you have to share this exciting news. And so Peter, who hears what Jesus is saying right there, if we advance the story even a little bit longer, Peter's going to church one day, a prayer meeting at the church, and he comes across somebody that couldn't walk, and so he, he stops and has this interaction with them and, and prays for him, and this guy that couldn't walk is healed. How great is that? Now this guy is walking again, and, and look what happens in the book of Acts It says he, this is the man that was healed, jumped to his feet, began to walk, then he went with them, Peter and the other disciples, into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. That guy who couldn't walk and now could, there was something inside of him that was now alive and he could not help, just imagine this. He could not help but to hang out with the people, jumping up and down and singing the praises of God. He had to share. So where am I going with this? We're about ready to enter a season where we do a lot of celebrating in Christmas. Right, we, we get our families together, most of us. We eat together, maybe as family and friends. We buy each other lots of presents. I looked online at just how much they're estimating in the United States will spend on gifts during the Christmas season. It's $950 billion. Almost a trillion dollars of celebration will be wrapped up in the middle of Christmas. Yet at the core, if we can boil it all down, I mean, right, Christmas has the word Christ in it, but if we can boil it all down, the reason for the season should be Jesus. So as I think about that, I have a a question I've been thinking. We've been thinking about this in our house, but I want to challenge us in this message today. And the challenging question is this. Am I open to take a fresh look at celebrating this season? It's sort of an important question. I don't know about you, but for many years uh, during the Christmas season, you can fall into ruts where you do sort of the same thing, get together with the same people, share gifts, do the, right? It's, sometimes it's called tradition. And, and I wonder if there's an opportunity for us this season to do it differently. Maybe not all differently, but, but maybe there's an adjustment where we can put more focus on the king, Jesus, than the, what the world's driving us to. So are you open to take a fresh look at celebrating the season? There's one person. <laughs> Likely there's many more of you. If you're like me, When I followed tradition year after year after year growing up, there was something inside of me that knew that there was more. I I would get presents, but I wasn't fully satisfied. And I believe that inside of us, God created us to connect with him. And the only way we're going to do that is to put the king in his rightful place, which means during the season, we have to take a fresh look at celebrating differently. And I think 
our lives might be better because of it. I want to pray about this question even before we read the text today. So will you pray with me about taking a fresh look at celebrating the season? So Father, many of us in the room go through and have gone through Christmas and we just haven't been fully satisfied. We know there's something more and so God, I pray that you would help us take a fresh look at this season. Many of us in the room have a desire to put King Jesus in his rightful place in our lives. And so I pray that you would help us today. As we unpack this story, the Christmas story, many of us have heard this Christmas story so many times, but we want to hear it new. So help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're in the series, Christmas series, it's called Mary's Christmas. And we're taking a look at the Christmas account from Mary's perspective. Last week, Pastor Mark kicked us off in this series, and he shared the account in the book of Luke where Mary has an encounter with an angel, and the angel tells Mary, you're going to be pregnant, it's going to be Jesus, the Messiah, and she sort of fully understands this now. It's an amazing story that I don't know that we could even appreciate how Mary was feeling in the moment, but she ended, we ended last week's sermon in, the, in this account with the angel this way. In Luke 1.38, Mary says, I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. She's, she's been marked in a special, unique, supernatural way, and we're going to pick up right after this where the angel leaves her, and she has this recognition of what just happened, and in Luke 1, 39, it's right after this, we're going to see what her response is. It says this, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. In that account of Mary visiting her cousin Elizabeth, I'm learning, I'm just starting to explore some new ways to celebrate this season differently. So here's what I have found. First point, you can flip your program over. A couple of fill in the blanks. Here's the first thing I see. Mary's incredible news, you write this in, led to an exuberant response. Everybody say exuberant. It's not a word I use a lot, but it's a fun word. Mary's news led to an exuberant response. Verse 39 in the text. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town. Seems so simple, right? I've read it many, many times. You could even walk away from today and think, boy, this was a really simplistic sermon. But if we were to pause and understand the depth and what it means to us, I think it would be helpful for us. She gets supernatural news and she hurries. 
It's an exuberant response. Here's what exuberant means. It's not going to come up on the screen, but it means very energetic and showing the happiness of being alive. Have you ever had news where it's like you're, re, you're just alive? It just wakes you up. It motivates you. It's like she wants to share, and she gets to decide how to share the news. Let's not miss this nuance. She gets to decide what to do with this news. The angel did not come to her and say, Mary, you're going to be pregnant. It's going to be Jesus. Don't tell anybody. Didn't say that. The angel also didn't say, you know what, Mary, pregnant, Jesus, Messiah, going to be amazing. Tell everybody. Didn't give her any instructions. She gets to decide what she does with the news. And she hurries to go tell family. All throughout scripture, we find people who have some sort of an encounter with God. Maybe it's a word. Maybe it's an angelic visitation. Maybe it's whatever it is. They have this thing that happens where God is even more real and they become alive and they get to choose how to respond. Here's one example. Later in the account, Jesus is now starting to do ministry. It's just very beginning of his ministry. And the disciples, some of them, start to realize who he is. And if we look at John 1, it says this. It says, Andrew, one of the disciples, Simon Peter's brother, and one of the two who heard that John said and who had followed Jesus, look at this. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah that is the Christ. Andrew recognizes that something is different, that Jesus is real, he's the Messiah, and so what did he do? He decides, the first thing he decides is to share the news. We can find other accounts in scripture where people encountered God in a unique way and didn't have the same decision uh, uh, to share it. Here's an example in the book of Jonah. Many of you know this story. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. This is what the Lord says, go to the great city of Nineveh, preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Jonah has a decision. Look what he does. Jonah ran away from the Lord, headed to Tarshish. It it was a decision I'm not going to share. That's not fun news. I'm not going to do that. I could come up with example after example of God sharing, doing something great for someone, and then they get to decide how to share that. So in our own lives, I've never been visited by an angel. I've never heard the audible voice of God. But God's still good in my life and yours. Many of you woke up this morning. Actually, all of you, because you're here. How many of you had heat in your car? That's miraculous. Right, and if we boil the silly things away and we start to think about the goodness of who Jesus the King is, Jesus Christ died on a cross to pay for your sins, the things that you did that were counter to his teaching, so you don't have to pay for them later. Not only that, but if you're a Christ follower, if he is the Lord of your life, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. The king of the universe has a direct connection to you so you can be comforted, he can share with you, he can guide you. If there is ever a present that we should be celebrating during this season, it's that. That's a really good point, Steve. And you know what? We get to decide how to share that. We get to, it's a decision. 
Here's a fill in the blank. The choice to talk about Jesus is up to me. Bless you. The choice to talk about Jesus is up to you. I could have said that the, the choice to share about Jesus, the choice to celebrate about Jesus, it's up to you. But we have a regular decision to make and the goodness of God that he shares with us every single day, what are we going to do with that? Are we gonna share it or are we gonna keep it to ourselves? I lived, just, a, just being transparent, I lived as a, a, a Christian many years in my life knowing the, the goodness of God but never sharing anything about him. I, I would go to uh, family Christmases. We would have just blowout celebrations, and I would not say anything about Jesus. Now, I've gotten better over the years, but I, I think there's space to do even better in my life. And I, I would hope that all of us would recognize that Jesus is such an amazing person to us that we get to decide that we should share A couple of weeks ago, uh, I had an interaction with John McGuinn. Comes to the church. Here's a picture of John and his wife. And uh, John and I had been talking about uh, the importance of sharing Jesus. John's a great guy. He's a Christian. It does amazing things. But he wanted to start to explore how to do this in different ways. And so he and his wife had a wedding to attend in Fort Wayne, Indiana. His wife was actually in the wedding, so he had some time where he wasn't doing much, and so that morning he had determined that he was just gonna follow whatever Jesus said to do, and he was gonna share about Jesus. And so he texted me that morning, and here's the text message. He says, I'm in Fort Wayne at a wedding, here by myself, my wife gets ready to be in her friend's wedding. I asked God what I should do for him today and what direction I should go. He led me to McDonald's, I'm still here. It's the holy place of McDonald's. Now, before this next text message, probably 15 or 20 minutes, he said a, a young seven-year-old boy named Willie came up to me. He saw I was reading the Bible and wanted to talk, and we talked about Jesus. I love that. Right? How, how simple is that? And so he, he was so excited. Uh, there were other text messages. He, he was texting that he was praying for, after the interaction, he was praying for Willie and then about 20 minutes later, I got a text message from him, and he said, I was leaving McDonald's, and I talked to the cash register person about Jesus before I left. So, like, oh, about 45 minutes later, I get another text from John, and uh, on the way to the wedding, I believe he ran across a homeless person. He gave the homeless person his gloves and shared about Jesus. In, in the course of 90 minutes, John's sharing, he's deciding to be exuberant about Jesus, and he's sharing. And when I, I talked to him, actually, this last Friday, just a couple of days ago, about the encounter, and he, he shared this. He said, I felt alive. I was so happy that God could use me. I wanted to cry. I never felt more alive. He was actually crying as he was sharing this. John was exuberant about Jesus, and we get that same opportunity this season. So here's a question. Am I still exuberant about Jesus? I'm trying to be, but are you? 
You can write it down. Am I still exuberant about what the king of the universe, when he looks down at me, he does not see my junk, and he actually loves me enough, he died on a cross, and he's not only saved my eternal soul, but he's guiding me every day. Does that still excite me enough that I get to make the decision to share how great he is? I believe the world, your family, and your friends are looking for things to be excited about. The excitement of the world does not fulfill something that God baked inside of us. Even if your family is not Christ followers, they're looking for the very thing that you might have, and it just takes us to share a little bit about Jesus to make that connection. It's what Mary did. She was exuberant enough about Jesus, she had to share it, went to her cousin's house. If we did this, I think it would be a fresh way to approach the season. So Mary's incredible news led to an exuberant response. Here's the other thing that I see in Mary's response is sharing this news. You can write it in. Mary's incredible news created a nothing else matters moment. created a nothing else matters moment. So I want you to envision this. Mary walks into Elizabeth's home. Mary's now pregnant. And she greets Elizabeth in some way. And in Luke 1, 42, Elizabeth says this in a loud voice. Elizabeth exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? I've read this account many times, but over the last week, something struck me that was very new and fresh that I didn't realize deeply enough. But I have to share what's going on in Elizabeth's life to bring you up to speed. Earlier, before Mary visited Elizabeth, actually six months earlier, Elizabeth and Zechariah, who were married, Zechariah gets picked in the temple to go into the inner courts of the temple and uh, meet with God. And during that meeting, an angel comes down and tells Zechariah, hey, Zechariah, you and your wife are going to be pregnant, you and Elizabeth. Now, Zachariah's response is, yeah, but we're old. Now, the, we, we don't know exactly how old from Scripture, but if we look at other accounts, people are estimating that they're between 60 and 80 years old. Is anybody in the room between 60 or 80? If you heard that you were going to be with child, would that be big news? What would your first response be? Probably what Zacharias, no, uh-uh. Menopause, you ever heard that, angel? That ain't happening. But the angel, in that, this is like the Steve version, right? The angel says to Zechariah, stop arguing. As a matter of fact, you will be with child, and Zechariah, you will not be able to talk again until that child is born, you'll be mute. Six months later, Elizabeth Some accounts say that she's 80 years old with baby. Mary enters the room, says whatever the greeting was. 
If there was ever a moment in history that someone could have said, Mary, that's real good news, but look at this. I'm 80 years old and I'm pregnant. And my husband has been mute for six months. He's still not talking. Like that, do you understand? Like it would have been one of those moments like it's the supernatural? Yeah, but yeah, that's good news, but look at this. But you know what Elizabeth's response was? Verse 43. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She says nothing, nothing about her own situation and supernatural news. Nothing else mattered but Jesus. You can write this in. Elizabeth recognized that there was no higher priority than Jesus. So many examples in scripture where there are moments in time where nothing else matters but God. A couple of them that stood out to me, uh, fast forward, Jesus is doing great ministry. He knows he has to die. He's dying on a cross. And if you know this story, while he's dying on a cross, some crazy things are happening. The weather changes. There's an earthquake. Rocks are splitting in two. And there's a Roman centurion. A centurion is like a, a leader in the army who leads 60 or 80 guys. We don't know what his role was in, in hanging Jesus on a cross, but we know that he was at least there complicit and, and agreeing that Jesus needed to die. But then all these weird things start happening. And if we look at Luke 23, it says this. Now when the centurion saw what had happened, he began praising God saying certainly this man was innocent. Nothing else mattered in that moment. It, it, it was such a clarifying moment. Paul, later on, writes a church that he planted in Philippi, and, and he's trying to get a reminder to them that there's going to be a day when Jesus comes back. And he's referencing other texts in the Old Testament. He says this, there's going to be a time where every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There will be a time in the future, no one knows when this will be, when Jesus will come back and it will be an undeniable moment where nothing else will matter because every single knee on earth will bow and every single voice will pro proclaim that Jesus is who he said he was. It'll be undeniable. Nothing else will matter. So how do we make this practical in the season that we're in? So I want to share uh, one story and then three practical things that will seem so simple, but if you really pause to think about it, it will help us this season. So let me share a story. During uh, our school of ministry, we have a school of ministry here, there's 20-some uh, students, one of the students, Lindsay Stevenson. This is a picture of Lindsay and Justin and our child, Everly. The assignment, Lindsay's a student, uh, the assignment to the students was during Thanksgiving break, share something about Jesus during your Thanksgiving celebration with extended family. 
And the cool thing about uh, teaching at the school ministry, you can assign things for people to do and they do them. And so Lindsay really took this seriously and, and she had family over or, or she went to a dinner, wherever it was, and there was this discussion that popped up. And I want to read a little and then we'll share on the screen a little uh, about this interaction with a family member. She says, I was talking to a family member about Christmas and they asked what Santa is bringing my daughter. I explained to him that we don't actually do Santa in our house. Everly, their daughter, will know that Santa is a fictional character from the beginning. They were taken aback by this and asked me why, and I told them that Everly knowing Jesus is such an important thing to us, and we don't want Christmas to be overshadowed by Santa. But she went on to share this. Lindsay says, it doesn't feel right that we lead her, their daughter, to believe in Santa, a made-up man she can't see, but then also lead her into the way of Jesus, a real man she can't see. When it came time for her to find out Santa isn't real, I wouldn't want there to be any question that we've also lied to her when it comes to Jesus. That's a pretty solid response. And I, this isn't to bash the Santa thing, right? You, whatever, but in Lindsay and Justin's house, when it comes to celebrating Christmas, she's declaring that nothing else matters. It's Jesus who we should be celebrating. I think it's a it was a challenge for me this season to celebrate differently when we get family together. When we bring kids together and share $950 billion worth of presents, are we willing to do it differently? Are we, are, are we willing to create nothing else matters moments? Does that mean that we can't talk about Santa or we can't share? No, that's not what I'm saying. You don't have to change 100%. But can we create some dissonance with the world where we don't do what the world wants us to do, but rather we inject these moments where people understand that in our hearts as Christians, nothing else matters. Here's some really simple, practical examples how to do this. Don't skip past these. They might be simple, but they're effective. So how do we do this? How do we create these moments? First thing is this. We talk about Jesus. It seems pretty simple. But how about when we eat around a dinner table, we bring up the name of Jesus, what he's done in our life this year. One thing that my, I haven't shared this in other services, that my wife, God bless my wife, she wants to do differently this year instead of the traditional ornaments. We're hanging small stories on the tree about the great things that God did in our life this year. It's, it's these small things that when people see that and they ask, they're like, what's going on there? And we can say, well, Jesus was really good to us this year. It's around a dinner table. Maybe it's the first time you've prayed out loud and you bring up the name of Jesus. Or before you open presents, you actually read the Christmas account in Scripture. It's saying no to a few things and yes to the best thing. Second thing, practical applications. Prioritize church. You're in church, right? Many of you will get this. But here, I want to challenge us that we know people. This isn't to bring people to a building. This is to introduce people to the greatest treasure and gift that has ever been given to us, 
Jesus. And I know here at this church and in churches around the community that we're trying to create an environment where people are far from God, get connected to God. So invite your neighbor, your friend, your family, and prioritize church. Last one, give differently. Give differently. I'm sure it's none of you in the room, but I was, I was amazed at how much money gets spent in Christmas this year. I shouldn't have been, because I participated in that uh, previously. It, how about we give differently this year as Christians? Maybe it's the school in India, but maybe it's your neighbor who needs something that you can help a neighbor out in a different financial way, but it's prioritizing what God has given you to give someone else in need. How about we give differently? Those are just a few really easy ways to take a fresh look at the season that we're in. It's what Elizabeth did. She took a fresh look to the news that Mary had when she greeted her. But I want to take a fresh approach to the season this year. So Mary's incredible news led to an exuberant response and created a nothing else matters moment. And both those things would help us this year take a fresh look at Christmas. Why don't you stand? We're going to move into a time of prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.